And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Benji? That's Carl. I met him at the laundromat. Sam Slade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Orson Welles and Agnes Moorhead star as Lamont Cranston and Margot Lane on The Shadow from 1937. Then William Bendix stars as Chester A. Riley in a Halloween comedy on The Life of Riley from 1944. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's up? It's Halloween time. We're getting close. Are you going to wear a costume next week? I always wear a costume. Yeah. You're going to be what? Wicked Witch of the West? That's perfect. Yeah. I'm going to go as my uh, staple, what I go every year. You. I wear a uh, you know what I you know what I go as Your every baseball year. uniform? No, I uh, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Oh, yeah. Sorry, forgot. I lost my idol this uh, this year. Right. Very sad about that. And I'm going to go as take his place. Uh, as him. That's right. Um, either that or I just uh, don't go. It's either Hugh Hefner or no one. I look forward to seeing you yeah. as Hugh Hefner. Thank you very much. All right, you know what? Orson Welles, Lisa, stars as the shadow on this very first episode here. This is a broadcast from 1937, December 12th to be exact. It's called The Death Triangle. Here's part one of The Shadow. Blue Coal presents The Shadow, the mystery man who strikes terror in the very hearts of shopsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Today, The Death Triangle. December 22nd, 1913, by order of the authority of Devil's Island, you, Pierre Martin, are hereby sentenced to 100 days in confinement solitaire and a hundred lashes in the presence of the assembled prisoners as a warning to all who would attempt to escape. Let the punishment begin. I will find the devil who betrayed me. One. I will learn his name. Two. I will kill him. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this program of organ music to bring you a special news flash from our affiliated press service. New York, December 12, 1937. The shadow has been found. 
Dr. James Evans, world-famous child surgeon, told reporters this afternoon that a wounded man who claimed to be the shadow forced his way into Dr. Evans' private clinic and at the point of a gun forced him to remove a bullet. The wounded man then revealed that he was none other than that mysterious character who has waged a one-man war against crime, the shadow. Before Dr. Evans could report the case to the police, however, the shadow mysteriously disappeared. The famous surgeon believes the shadow has little chance of surviving his wound. Our organ recital now continues. Hello? Dr. Evans speaking. <laughs> Dr. Evans, the man you claim to have operated upon was a fake. The real shadow has not been wounded. The shadow? You are the shadow? Yes, Dr. Evans. You don't seem surprised. I'm not. I've been hoping you'd get in touch with me. That statement I issued was false. False? Come now, Dr. Evans. A man of your high standing in the medical world does not issue false statements without very grave reasons. There was a very grave reason. I need your help. An old acquaintance of mine, Raymond Dubril, the financier, has received a death threat. Have him notify the police. No, he refuses to do that. Then let him take the consequences. Unless... Dr. Evans, have you also received a death threat? Yes, I have. Before I made this call, I investigated your past, Dr. Evans. My past is a matter of public knowledge. You were once a political prisoner on Devil's Island. You escaped 20 years ago with three other men. Raymond Dubril, the banker... And Pierre Martin, the concert pianist. Yes, but our convictions were reversed by a high court a year after we escaped. I know it was proved that you three were innocent. But what about the fourth man who escaped with you? A murderer. Jacques Covey. He was caught and sent back to Devil's Island. After the escape, one of you betrayed him to the police. I don't believe that. Why else should he mark you for death? Then you know Covey escaped from Devil's Island... A second time, six months ago? Yes, Dr. Evans. Then you're interested. You'll help? Yes, I will help. But only because your life is in danger, Doctor. The world can ill afford to lose the skill and genius that has saved the lives of countless children. You overestimate my important shadow. But will you help? Yes. When and where does Covey's warning say he will strike first? At Jubriel's Long Island Estate tonight. How do you know this warning came from Covey? Dubriel received a miniature music box in the shape of a coffin in the mail this morning. A musical coffin? Yes. And when the lid of the coffin is raised, the music box plays a tune. A tune Dubriel, Martin, Covey, and myself whistled as a danger signal when we were planning our escape from Devil's Island. Where is Dubriel, Dr. Evans? At his Long Island estate. Martin is staying with him, and I am driving out there to spend the night. I had hoped you'd come and help. I will help you, Dr. Evans. Tell Dubriel and Martin... The shadow will be there tonight. <clears throat> oh, good afternoon, Miss Lane. Is Mr. Creston at home? Uh, no, Miss Lane, he's not. You know where I can reach him? 
Well, he may be at his club. No, I've tried there. His office? Yes, everywhere. Nobody's seen him all day. Oh, is there anything I can do? Be sure and stay here in case he comes home. I'll call you on the phone later. Yes, miss. I've got to find him. I've got to. I've just got to. I've got to find Lamont. Maybe Dr. Evans knows more than he told the newspapers. His office said he might be at home. Number 33. Yes, this is it. Oh, Lamont, I knew they'd shoot you someday. Yes, miss? Is Dr. Evans here? I must see him. I beg your pardon, miss, but are you another reporter? Yes, and I must see Dr. Evans. It's important. It's a matter of life or death. I'm sorry, miss, but Dr. Evans has nothing to say to the press. He's not at home. But I must see him. I must find him. I'm sorry. That car. That's Dr. Evans' car. Yes, miss. Where's he going? I'm not at liberty to say, miss. Never mind. I'll find out myself. Taxi. Taxi. Okay, miss. Where to? Follow that big black limousine, the one with the green cross on the license plate. That's well, a doctor's car, miss. I may have to break a lot of traffic laws if it goes through red lights. Never mind, I'll pay the fines. Don't lose sight of that car for a minute. Okay, lady. But well, this is going to be one fast ride. Driver! Yeah. Driver, slow down. That car's turning in at that estate. What do you want me to do? Go through the gates after? No, no. Stop here. Okay. Here's five dollars. Hey, thanks, ma'am. I wonder if this is just a wild goose chase. Lamont couldn't be way out here, not if he's wounded, dying. That car, it sounded like... Oh, but it couldn't be. It is. It's... It's Lamont. Lamont. Margot? Margot, what, what in heaven's name are you doing here? Oh, Lamont, then it wasn't true. You weren't shot. Dr. Evans didn't operate on you. Oh, oh so you heard that news flash, too. The papers are full of it. I tried to find you out the office, at home, at your club, everywhere. I'm sorry, Margot. I should have known you'd worry, but I've had a very busy afternoon. Uh, how did you get here? I followed Dr. Evans' car. He just drove through those gates. What's happening, Lamont? Are you trying to find out why he said he operated on the shadow? Is, is someone impersonating you? No, uh, Dr. Evans did that, knowing I'd get in touch with him. He needs my help in a very special manner. But Why? Is someone after him, threatening him? Yes, also the owner of this estate, the banker Dubril and Martin, the concert pianist. And you're going to help them? I'm interested in helping Evans. He's a great doctor and a great humanitarian. His life is in danger. Lamont, now that I'm here, is there anything I can do? Yes, Margot, wait in my car. Keep your eye on the house. If you see a light go on and off twice in one of the windows, drive to the nearest payphone and notify the state police to come to the Dubril estate. I'll watch for the signal. Fine. I suppose there's no use my asking you to be careful. No, Margot, but uh, I'll try. I'll try to avoid really putting Dr. Evans to the trouble of removing a bullet from the shadow. Gabriel, stop pounding on the table and cursing Covey. Oh, that's all very well for you to say, Evans. Your turn hasn't come, but it will... If we three sitting here, you or me or Martin, don't get Corvée when he comes here tonight, you will be the next on his list. You or Martin. Oh, don't concern yourself about my fate, Dubril. I am not afraid of Corvée. Oh, you'll change your mind if he manages to kill me, Martin. <laughs> I wonder what it's like to die. What do you think, Dubril? Or do you ever think of anything but your fat stomach and your money? Are you... Gentlemen, this is no time to argue. I have something more important to tell you. What is it, Evans? I hear you had quite an experience today. Operated on this man who calls himself the Shadow. Yes, that's what I want to talk to you about. Ah, there's a man, Dubril, the shadow. 
He might save you from Covey. Uh, what could he do? I've had the best private detectives in the country trying to find some trace of Covey ever since he escaped from Devil's Island again six months ago. By the way, Dubril, I've always wondered who tipped off the police when Covey was hiding after he helped us escape 20 years ago. Covey was a murderer. We were innocent men. And also, who betrayed me, Dubril, the time I tried to escape alone the first time? Martin, Dubril, now listen to me. A moment ago, we were talking about the shadow. Well, he isn't dying. I didn't operate on him. I announced that, hoping the real Shadow would get in touch with me. And did he? Yes. And he's coming here tonight to help us. I've always been curious to see this Shadow. You won't see him. No man has ever seen him, but he'll be here. Oh, Evans, for a man of intelligence, you're talking like a fool. The age of ghosts and mystic presences is... You're wrong, Jabril, you're wrong. Because I am a doctor, I can readily accept the fact that the Shadow is a master of the powers of mental suggestion, of mass hypnosis. Recent experiments have proven conclusively that... Ah, rubbish! Allow me to convince him, Dr. Evans. Hey, wh- what was that? Who spoke then? The shadow, Dubril. You do not accept the theory of my power of invisibility, but perhaps you will accept the fact, for I am here. Sit down, Dubril. You look rather pale. If I am to help you, you will all sit down. Sit at that table there. I understand there is little time to lose. I must know the whole story. The truth, if I am to help you. Do as the shadow says. Sit there, Matt. And you, there, Dubril. Well, why don't you talk back, Dubril? Be quiet, Martin. Dr. Evans, I will help you if I can. But there is one gap in the chain of events... Leading up to this moment. I'll tell you anything I know, Shadow. Then tell me this. When and under what circumstance did Covey first threaten your lives? It was the last day we spent in the open boat in which we escaped from Devil's Island, 20 years ago. Storms had blown us off our course. Our food was gone. Our water was exhausted. Covey, the only one who knew how to navigate, was... Well, he was slowly dying from hunger and thirst. I can still remember his... Water. Water. Oh, be quiet, Corvée. There is no water. The cask is empty. You're lying, Dubril. All of you. You've been drinking my share. Give me that bucket. Give me a drink of that mud. Don't let it matter. Don't let it matter. Salt water will kill it. What does it matter, Dr. Evans? Seventeen days in this open boat. Nights of storm and days of blazing heat. Water. Water. I'm dying, I tell you. Dying. You're not giving me my share. You're stealing my water. Where will you be if I die? I'm the only one that knows navigation. Be patient, Kobe. It may rain tonight. Uh, we might as well be back on Devil's Island. At least there was bread and water there. Bread? Bread? A crust? Just a crust of bread and water? Water? There's no bread, Kobe. The last crust went three days ago. You're cheating me. Killing me. You only brought me along to steer the boat. Now you're starving me to death. You don't want me to live. But I will live. I'll get you for this. I'll live to kill every one of you for this. You, Dubril. You, Martin. You, Evans. Oh, shut him up, Evans. You're a doctor. You know what to do. Look. Martin, Dubril, look. Seagulls. Oh, what does it matter if we have no guns? I know, but don't you see? The gulls never go far from land or a ship. Oh, you, you're right, Evans. Look. Look, 
to the west. It's land. Land at last. All right. There, to the southwest. You can see the sun of the mountains. We're saved. Free at last. Come back, come back. Sit up, sit up. Look, look. We've sighted land. There'll be food and water plenty for everybody. You tried to kill me. Starve me to death. But I'm going to live. I'm going to live until the last one of you is dead. Dead. So you see, that's how it all began. And now Covey is free and out to get us, Shadow. But what makes you so sure it is Covey? Well, it couldn't be anyone else. It's Covey, all right. He said to reel that thing on the table. That oblong box? Yes, Shadow. Notice its shape. It's a miniature coffin, beautifully carved. Covey was a woodcarver. He was always handy with a knife. But still, it does not follow that he was the one. Except for one thing, Shadow. When the lid of the coffin is raised, it's a music box. And that tune it's playing was a warning signal we used while planning our escape from Devil's Island. Remember, only the four of us knew it. You, Briel, Covey, Evans, and myself. Oh, stop it, Evans. Stop that cursed thing. Stop it, I tell you. I can't stand it. <laughs> so you have a conscience, eh, Dubriel? That danger refrain recalls the past, doesn't it? Stop talking about it. It looks as though Covey meant business, doesn't he? Don't sit there conniving over me. You forget your turn, maybe next, maybe tonight even. I am not forgetting anything, Dubriel. You better study yourself, Dubriel. I'll get you a drink. Oh, never mind. Here's the decanter. I'll pour it myself. Oh, that tune! Where is it coming from? I smashed the coffin. Good heavens, Dubriel! It's the decanter in your hands. Oh, someone, someone changed the decanter. Covey, he did it. He's here. He's been in his house tonight. Dubriel, where are you going? To my room. I don't trust anybody. I'd be safe there behind locked doors, alone. And if Covey comes, I'll be ready for Wait, Dubriel, wait. Let him go, Dr. Evans. But he shouldn't be left alone. Covey may carry out his threat. Are you sure it is, Covey? What do you mean? It must be. It couldn't be anyone else. The coffin, the decanters, are his warning. I know. But you said the four of you knew the signal. Are you sure... It isn't one of you. Of course not. I thought you said the shadow was here to help us. I am. But I am content to let events lead themselves to a logical conclusion. You mean you won't use your power to save us from him? I shall use my power at the moment it is required, Dr. Evans. Right now, for instance. Look on the table. There is a note where the decanter was standing. Good heavens. Kobea has been here. Listen to this, matter. You are the first. And you will die tonight, Raymond Dubriel. 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 Wake up. I have come for you. <laughs> so you've come, Covey. Oh, you poor deluded fool. Do you think I'd let you kill me in my sleep? I've been awake, waiting here in the dark for you to come. <laughs> a little light helps. <laughs> so you've grown a beard since I saw you last, Covey. And your hair is gray. That gun in your hand won't save you, Dubriel. If I die, I will take you with me. Listen, Covey. I didn't steal your food in the open boat. I swear it. No? You also betrayed me to the police. You told them where to find me. And I am not the only one you betrayed, am I, Dubriel? You betrayed Martin the time he tried to escape alone, didn't you, Dubriel? Yes, yes, but what do you care, Corvée? He wouldn't take me with him. But I did not betray you. Have you paid Martin for those hundred lashes and those hundred days of bread and water he got because you betrayed him? Oh, he doesn't know. He will never know it was I. Dubriel, you remember how we passed the long days in that open boat, 
Throwing knives. Don't raise that knife, Kobe. We got so good, we seldom missed. I'll shoot if you move. But Martin was the best. You may shoot me, Dubrier, but my knife won't miss. Oh, wait. Wait a minute, Kobe. I will make a deal with you. Listen, Kobe. You're out to get Evans and Martin, too. If you throw that knife, I'll shoot you and you will never get them. Oh, you would help me kill Evans. I know he's here in the house. Yes, 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 sir. I hate Evans and Martin, too. I will help you get them. <laughs> so... You would betray Dr. Evans to save yourself, Dubriel. Shadow, Covey, don't be afraid. He's only a man. By some trick, he can make himself invisible, but he's flesh and blood. Quick, lock the door. We'll deal with him first. He won't get out. Now, now, Shadow, what can you do to stop us? Speak up. I dare you to speak. Listen where his voice comes from, Dubriel. Then shoot quickly. No, no, no. The shot would bring Evans and Martin. Throw your knife, Covey. Make him speak. I won't miss... Speak up, Shadow. We will find you anyway. You can't get out. I am here in the corner. In the far corner. Throw your knife, Kobe. I heard him. (laughs) You missed. But he was there. No. Only my voice was there. Ventriloquism. He's there in front of you, Dupreel. Shoot, shoot. (laughs) Yes, yes, I will shoot now. Yes, I will shoot. But not the Shadow. He came here to help us catch you, Kobe. And he has... Your knife, it's gone. Now, Corvey, you are helpless. And now I'll deal with you. That's the first portion of The Shadow. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. It's very important to me to offer you the best sound quality. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and start collecting all your favorites in brilliant sound quality. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. To my left, the very talented Mike Costella. And before we get back to the shadow, I want to remind everyone about... Remind Magazine. Yeah, Remind Magazine. Look at that. That's the October issue. Look who that is on the cover. That's not me. It looks a little bit like like me. Yeah. Yeah, that's the werewolf. That's Lon Chaney. In full makeup as the werewolf. This is the Halloween issue. And you know, uh, there's a little, uh, there's a little dare here. 13 shocking films we dare you to watch is one of the articles. They kind of rate 13 films that are really, really scary. There's all kinds of fun stuff in this issue, like there is in every issue. There's tons and tons of brain teasers and trivia questions and, uh, crossword puzzles. And you know what, Lisa, on page 17, as almost every issue on page 17, is my article, Radio 360. And I talk about 
Abbott and Costello and the movie they made, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. And uh, also our schedules in here. So we uh, we have a, uh, a great relationship with uh, the Remind Magazine folks. And I got to tell you, if you haven't subscribed, you really should. Go to RemindMagazine.com or you can pick up a copy at any Barnes & Noble or Walmart stores across the country. But the best way to get it is to subscribe because you save about 60% off the newsstand price. Go to remindmagazine.com. It's a wonderful, wonderful magazine about what we all like, nostalgia and, and uh, the movies and TV and radio. That's what Remind Magazine is all about. So check it out, remindmagazine.com. All right, let's get back now to The Shadow. Oh, you treacherous snake. You fool. You think I carry only one knife? This one is for you. Oh, you devil. But I, I take you with me, Jovey. Why? I hated Dubriel because he betrayed me on Devil's Island. I hated you, Evans, because you have got the things that I always wanted. Success, fame, glory. It was I sent the musical coffin. The warning note. I knew you'd think it was Kobe. I've got Dubriel, but Kobe will get you, Evans. He's after you. He will get you. He will kill you. He will... Mata, Mata! Stop breathing. Dead. Yes, Dr. Evans. He is dead. You are quite safe now. You forget Covey. No, Dr. Evans. I knew, even when I phoned you today, that it was not Covey who sent the musical coffin. What? I knew it was not Covey. It had to be Martin or Dubriel. Why didn't you stop them? Martin and Dubriel were both criminals plotting to kill you. If I had stopped them, your life would have been in danger as long as they lived, hating you always for having attained the things that life denied them. But you forget, Shadow. Kobe may find me. Succeed where Martin failed. Never. I learned the whole history of all of you before I saw you. Yes? Everything, Dr. Evans. Your escape from Devil's Island after Dubriel's betrayal of Martin that resulted in the Hundred Lashes and his resolve for vengeance. And from the authorities at Devil's Island, I learned the truth about Kobe's last escape. Yes, I see now. I see now why he hated us. But what about Kobe? You are safe now, Dr. Evans. Safe from Covey. The chain of logic is complete. Three months ago, a bleached skeleton was found on a deserted beach at Trinidad. It has just been identified as the body of Covey. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by the Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
time bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Same time, same station, Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite, will again present another thrilling adventure of the shadow. Be sure to listen. And that's the shadow from December 12th, 1937, with the Death Triangle starring Orson Welles and Agnes Moorhead, originally sponsored by Blue Coal, as heard on the Mutual Broadcasting System. All right, it's time now for a great comedy. It's a Halloween show with the life of Riley. Let's go back to October 29th, 1944. This stars William Bendix. Here's part one of The Life of Riley. Is. In the movie Wake Island, he was the Brooklyn Marine. In the broad with two Yanks, he's Biff the Private. But tonight, he's just an overgrown kid anxiously waiting for Halloween. I'll never forget. When I was just a boy, every Halloween, my father used to stick me in the front window. We were too poor to buy a pumpkin. <laughs> now, on behalf of all those engaged in supplying meat to the nation, the American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. By day, Riley is engaged in the serious business of war production as a riveter in a California aircraft plant. But tonight, we see his less serious side. It's two nights before Halloween, and Riley is full of the spirit of the thing. It's quite dark out, and Riley's son, Junior, is just returning from a meeting of the young Wildcats, his club, in a very thoughtful mood. Is that you, Pop? Shh. Yeah, Junior. What are you doing hiding on the back porch? Listen, peek in the kitchen window and see what your mother's doing. She's washing the supper dishes. Say, Pop, what no. are you doing with that false face on? You're Mickey Mouse, huh? No, I'm not Mickey Mouse. I'm the rat man of Blood Bucket Castle. <laughs> oh, at the dime store they sell those false faces for Mickey Mouse. Never mind. I bet your mother will think I'm the rat man. Oh, you gotta play a trick on Mom? Yeah. You see, last night we saw a horror picture about a nice, gruesome character, the Rat Man. He was a vampire. Has lunch on people's necks. <laughs> oh, he ain't a rat. He's a bat. Oh, well, he's very depressing. Anyway, <laughs> afterwards, your mom was so scared something would pop out of a doorway at her, she walked all the way home in the middle of the street. <laughs> mom said you made her walk out there. No, I... <laughs> I just invited her out in the street because it ain't polite to leave a lady walking on a sidewalk all alone. <laughs> you watch now when I scratch at the door and she opens it up and sees me in this thing. Okay, Pop, go ahead. Okay, all I hope is she don't faint. <laughs> watch now. Pop, bats don't growl, they squeak. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shh. Who's there? We got her guessing. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I never. It's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Junior, go get your father some cheese. Ha oh. <laughs> <laughs> ha. You sure fooled her, Pop. Yeah. Well, they don't make these masks as good as they used to. 
<laughs> or else maybe I got a very strong personality and it leaks through, probably. <laughs> well, isn't it a little early for Halloween tricks, Riley? Well, it don't hurt to get a head start. Halloween's my favorite holiday. Look, Junior, there's something else I bought at the Five and Dime. You see this book? Ghost Stories. Oh, well, thanks, Pop, but I don't want to read any ghost stories tonight. What's the matter? You don't believe in ghosts, do you? No, I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't want to read anything that might change my mind. <laughs> Too many people think there's ghosts now. Say, Dumpler, what's the matter with him? Well, I don't know. Ever since he came home from school today, he's been asking me if I believe in haunted houses. <laughs> what a question. With the housing shortage, as sure as it is, who's going to leave a house empty for spooks? <laughs> well, there's one empty house up on Chestnut Hill, Riley. You know, the old Sherwin place. Uh, Some people say that's haunted. Yeah? Mrs. Cornwell claims she saw a pale white face at the window, too. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, but Mrs. Cornwell's a great one for ghosts. She's always holding seances and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that Cornwell kid's in Junior's club, too. I bet he's got our boy believing in ghosts. Well, I'm going to have a head-to-head talk with Junior. So you see, Junior, if I tell you there's no ghost, you can take my word for it. After all, I've been your father for 13 years, ain't I? Oh, sure, Pop, uh, but if there aren't any ghosts, what haunts haunted houses? Listen, Junior, nothing haunts haunted houses. Oh, yes, they do, Pop. Johnny Cornwall's mother proved the house was haunted. How did she? She said she saw a ghost face in the window uh, up at the old Sherwin house. It was a horrible face, too. Darwin, Mrs. Cornwell must have seen her own reflection. <laughs> Says a dame should walk into a room backwards and break her face to you slowly. <laughs> oh, then, Pop, then she came home and held a seance. She asked if what she saw was the ghost of Alice Sherwin, and she got three raps on the table. Oh, that means yes in ghost language. <laughs> Fine language. All they can do is knock. They ought to be newspaper columnists. <laughs> <laughs> you better not make fun of ghosts, Pop. Look, Junior, would you sooner believe a ghost than your old man? No, Pop. Uh, but if the ghost said it was a ghost, it ought to know. Okay, I can see you're a septic. <laughs> now, we'll have a seance right here to prove what Mrs. Cornwell saw wasn't that Sherwin girl's ghost. Come on, put your hands up on his table. Huh? Oh, gosh, Papa, are you going to ask a ghost to rap? I'll show you. I'll put my hands on there, too, see? Okay, now I'll ask something. Are there any ghosts? See? No answer. No ghosts. Nah, Pop. You have to ask for raps. Two means no. Three raps means yes. Oh, well, okay. Two raps for no, three for yes. Now I'll ask him again. Did uh, Mrs. Cornwell see a ghost up at Sherwin's old haunted house? Gosh, Pop, it said no. You see, that proves it. Mrs. Cornwell's a phony. <laughs> well, um, ask him again if there are any ghosts. Okay. Are there any ghosts? Rap two for no. See that? The ghosts themselves say there aren't any ghosts. That proves it. Wait a minute, Pop. Uh, How could a ghost rap two for no if there aren't any ghosts? Well, that's very simple. The, uh... <laughs> I was just kidding, Sonny. I did that rapping myself. <laughs> Honest. 
Well, your hands were on the table. Yeah, but my feet weren't. Look at I just kicked up under that table with my foot like this. <laughs> oh, Pop. I bet you wouldn't kid around like that in a genuine haunted house like the Sherwin place. Well, sure I would, only I can't because I ain't going there. Would you be scared to go if you were going? Me? No. Oh, that's good, Pop. No, I ain't scared to go neither. How do you mean? Well, down at my club tonight, we got to talking what we do Halloween. So we made it up we'd go find out if Sherwin's old house was haunted or if it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I'd pity any ghosts when them young wildcats get in that house. <laughs> oh, we ain't all going inside, Pop. Just one of us got elected to go inside. Oh. The poor guy who got the short straw. <laughs> who got it? Well, I did. I see. Well, well, Junior, you show him you know there aren't any ghosts in there. I'm proud of you, Junior, walking in there all alone. I think that's Well, I won't be all alone. I made up a rule the fellow had to go in could take in another fella, his best friend. Well, that's okay, too. If the guy you picked is a real friend, he'll go like a shot. Who'd you pick? I picked you, Pop. (laughs) Well, I bet that... uh, uh, Me. Uh, Look, Junior, I'm, I'm... Probably gonna be very busy and Pop, besides, I... you ain't scared to go, are you? Well, no, but the... and you're my best friend, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I am. Actually, the the saying is that your mother is your best friend. <laughs> well, I couldn't ask Mom to go, and I'm sure glad you're coming with me. Yeah, me too, Junior. <laughs> As Lord Twitcher stood there in the dark hall of the great lonely house, he could feel something evil in the very air. A cold wind brushed his cheek, and an icy hand seemed to touch his spine. Suddenly, he saw the thing, and then he heard a sound, a low, wailing sound. (laughs) Who's that? It's only me, dear. Did I startle you? Oh, uh, no. (laughs) No, I was just reading this book here. (laughs) Oh, the ghost stories you bought Junior, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Such nonsense. (laughs) Oh, my, it's a quiet Halloween, isn't it? Yes. wonder what all those boys in Junior's club are doing tonight. I know what they're doing. They're all sitting over across from our house right now on the fence, like a row of buzzards waiting for us to come out. (laughs) Oh, are they going to the house with you? Well, they're going as far as the gate of the place to make sure we go in. But you're not nervous about going, are you, dear? You don't believe in ghosts? Well, no. You don't believe in them either, do you, Peg? (laughs) No. But, uh... There is something queer about that house. I wonder what did become of that poor Alice Sherwin. Well, if nobody knows, I don't want to find out. (laughs) What did they say happened to her? Oh, it's an awfully sad story. She was a bride, you know, beautiful girl. Well, they were on their honeymoon in Manila. He was a captain in the Navy. She and her husband were going to come home and live in that old house. Then... Well, he was lost in an air raid. Some say they were both killed together. 
Others say that she followed him because she didn't want to live without him. Well, anyhow, the house stands there empty, waiting for the bride and bridegroom that never came to live in it. People ought to leave the place alone. And I'm one of the people. <laughs> well, after you go there tonight, maybe people will stop talking and gossiping about the house. Because you'll prove there's nothing there. Yeah, maybe. And what was all that talk about seeing lights and faces around the place? Oh, just talk, I suppose. Yeah. But they do say that they saw a woman's figure at the window in the attic. Pop! Uh -huh. <laughs> Junior! What's the idea of sneaking in like that? It's time to go, Pop. I... Huh? <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, it's a... Well, okay, Junior. Goodbye, Dumplin'. Goodbye, boys. It's sure dark out, isn't it, Pop? Yeah. Pop. That Sherwin house we're going to, it, it can't be really haunted, can it? No, no. But it's funny that people have seen a ghost in there. Yeah, well, look, Junior, well, when we get in that house, you, you do just like I do, and you won't see no ghosts. Oh. What are you going to do, Pop? I'm going to keep my eyes shut. <laughs> It's just midnight, a very dark midnight. Even the moon is hiding on this Halloween. Riley and his son, Junior, are just approaching the rusty iron gate that guards the old Sherwin house, which is said to be haunted. Listen. Here's the gate, Pop. L let's go in. Uh, maybe the gate's locked so we can't get in. <laughs> Gee, wouldn't that be too bad? <laughs> We've got to get in, Pop. The gang's followed us all the way from town, and they're still watching. Uh. Yeah, they trail us like sharks after a sinking ship. Well, let's go in, Pop. Okay. What's that? Well, the gate. The, the hinges are all rusty. Maybe we ought to go back to town and get some oil, huh? <laughs> Come on in the garden, Pop. Gosh, it's dark. Yeah. Well, follow me, Junior. Where are you? Right behind you. <laughs> Here. Give me your hand. I see the house, Pop. The moon's coming out of a cloud. Yeah. Junior. Huh? What's that over there? Huh? Uh, I think that's your shadow, Pop. <laughs> if that's my shadow, why is it moving while I'm standing still? It's coming this way. And since when does a shadow make footsteps? Good evening, Riley. Oh, oh, wait, Pop. It's your friend, Mr. Odell, the undertaker. I don't. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, how are you, Digger? I never thought I'd be glad to... Never thought I'd be glad to see an undertaker. You're looking fine, Riley. Very natural. <laughs> Tell me, what are you doing here around the old Sherwin house? Oh, uh, well, nothing, Digger. We're just having some fun on Halloween. Ah, uh, Halloween. 
I adore Halloween. It's so gay. <laughs> That's the first portion of The Life of Riley from October 29, 1944. Good Halloween haunted house show starring William Bendix. We'll have more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Then it's Crime Classics from 1953. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you all next time right here on Hollywood 360.